Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with Baobulb.org. I have an interest in the church calendar, and I mentioned that the period that we are currently in is especially important in our Christian walk in life. After the 40 days of Lent, leading to the Easter resurrection of our Lord, which we celebrated last Sunday, we are now in what is known as the Great 50 Days, leading up to Pentecost, and we celebrate the giving of our Lord of the Holy Spirit on that day. Furthermore, we will also celebrate in this period the ascension of our Lord, which occurred 40 days after his resurrection. No wonder that with these two important aspects of Christian belief, this time in our Christian calendar is known as the Great 50 Days. In the important events leading to Easter and the immediate accounts of Jesus' resurrection, it is easy to overlook the fact that the resurrected Jesus spent another 40 days in and around Galilee before his ascension, probably because Jesus had more to say and do. We do get a clue to these actions of Jesus from the first from the third verse in the first chapter of the book of Acts, which teaches us that Jesus appeared to them during the 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. It is vital for us to realize that the 50 days between Easter and, in, and Pentecost is an important foundation following the resurrection of Jesus, just as it was for the disciples in cementing our Christian faith. Jesus' message in the first 40 days after resurrection was no different than his message during his three years of ministry. He taught about the kingdom of God. More importantly, what his followers should do to continue to realize the kingdom of God by their actions. The angels who were present at the ascension asked an interesting question of Jesus' disciples. Why are you looking toward heaven? And it is a question worth considering today. Too often I find Christians more concerned with the aspects of their future in heaven rather than with the year and now of the kingdom of God. The breathtaking sacrifice at Calvary purchased the forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven. But in our generation, many followers of Jesus have limited this work and message to heaven and heaven only, always talking about the year after. We need to remind ourselves that the gospel clearly showed that it was not only about going to heaven which Jesus invited us as his followers to take, but to take up the yoke of fellowship and discipleship. As I said earlier, the great 50 days is an important pointer and a foundation 
to what we should be doing now in our lives to show that the events of Easter were the beginning of building up of the Christian work in our lives. It is for this reason that our meditation today centers on one vital characteristic of what should be part of our Christian lifestyle. And in this I'm drawn to Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesus, which was our Bible reading, when the apostle reminded them of the importance of imitating God. For Paul, imitating God requires a desire and a discipline that attempts to live a life that reflects the image of God. Paul prefaces the entirety of Ephesians 5 with a personal and communal challenge that as Christians, we are called to live like our Lord Jesus Christ. In this context, I recall a comment made by Edward Guest, which is a wake-up call for any Christian preacher. Guest said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes are better pupil and much sharper than the ear. Fine counsel can confuse me, but examples are very clear. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. Thus, when we try to copy the ways of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are then using our time wisely. But this must be done carefully and wisely and productively. There was a business, uh, an author of many business management books called Stephen Covey, who wrote that the busier our lives become, the harder it is to complete everything we set out to accomplish each day. On the surface, it seems that we, what keeps us from being more productive is the lack of time. But Covey asserts that the problem is not our lack of time, but our lack of ability to manage it. To successfully manage time, you must set priorities and distinguish which tasks are important and must be addressed immediately, and which tasks can wait. I once wrote a series of articles for The Encourager, a magazine that we used to publish in Barnabas United Church, on how many lessons of the best business management practices first appeared in the Bible. Just so this contemporary view of Stephen Covey about time management, we find some 2,000 years before that Paul had already warned the Ephesian Christians on the danger of wasting God's gift of time. So I invite you to use this morning's reflection to ponder what Paul was saying to the young church in Ephesus about their time management and see what we can gain to ensure that we use fully and properly the gift of time given to each one of us by God. Firstly, Paul contends living obediently under God requires walking very carefully. Most children, as they grow, 
love to imitate a parent. They pretend to be like daddy and mommy. They watch them walk ar work around the house and try to copy their actions. The girls are usually attentive to what mom is doing in the kitchen. The boys typically about what dad is doing in the garden or workshop. If mom is cooking, the daughter loves to play with her own to toy pots. If dad is a shovel, then the son would begin by finding a similar toy implement for shoveling and copy dad digging away. Young children oftentimes watch their parents' every move and try to be like the parent. Likewise, the Apostle Paul reminds his Ephesian audience of the importance of imitating God. As followers of Christ, Paul reminds us that the stakes are high in our following. Paul also warns that the world often offers a path of foolishness that is counter to the life dedicated to imitating Christ. In daring to follow Christ, we declare, as Paul urged the young church in Ephesus to do, then we are leaving the foolishness of the old life behind. That means that our living from that point on is a living that demands it demands and has demands placed upon it. And one of the demands is not wasting our time. Paul's words are a haunting reminder for those of us who waste and whittle away God's gift of time. As wise persons, Paul says it is imperative that we do not invest in the meaningless and foolishness that surrounds us. I was reminded of this in a recent conversation of a friend who lost a spouse last year due to COVID. He said to me, I don't worry anymore about the pocket change. His meaning was clear. Life is too short and the opportunity is too great to ensure that we make the most of life's important opportunities that God gives us. Not wasting time on the small change of life. As followers of Christ, our goal is to keep our antenna extended and alert to every God-given opportunity. That is the meaning about Paul's words about making the most of our time. We are to be diligent in looking for chances to be faithful. Truly every moment in life is pregnant with great opportunity to bear witness for the love of God. Over many years, especially when I started my working career, before I go to sleep at night, I take stock of how the day just ended and assess my productivity. I will examine the use of my time and note the places where there is waste and slothfulness. Typically, even though I'm now well retired, I still need, as I did in my working career, to scrutinize and carefully and critically examine my activities of the day. However, the most important work that I do in this arena of life, when as I apply the same scrutiny and crit critical assessment of what I have done for the kingdom of God that day, when I do so, I quickly discover that how often I have squandered abundant opportunity 
to bear witness to my faith. Too often in my assessment that I find that I've wasted earthly time and I've also wasted kingdom time. The second point in Paul's letter is that the key to this waste-free, opportunity-laden lifestyle is quite simple. Understand what the will of the Lord is. At the core of discipleship is a remarkably simple premise. Discipleship is about obedience. Walking wisely means that we walk in obedience to God. It is far more encompassing than merely believing the right things. A correct belief system is important, but it is not the only thing. It is not only important to believe the right things, but to also live the right way. Many apparently believe that one can be accomplished without the other. It cannot. The Apostle James was quite clear when he said, What good is it to say that you have faith when you don't do anything to show that you really have faith? In other words, James stresses that it is not possible to have faith without doing caring and compassionate deeds. On occasion, the Lord's will is lost in our will. Paul is careful to remind all Christian disciples that our prime aspiration must be to follow God. Nothing else matters. So we must buy up the critical times. We must make the most of the times of opportunity that are around us. Paul was well aware of the stress, the pressures, the temptations, and the opposition to the love and grace of God that were around him at that time. But he urges the new Christians of Ephesus and urges us today that as Christians we are to be involved in the issues and the struggles of life around us. And we must need to be alert to those moments that are most significant and to do something about them. The third point of Paul is that wise living is living not only under one's power, but under the control of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that enlivens and empowers us towards faithful and obedient living. Paul's great emphasis is rightly placed. Follow the Spirit of God and live wisely. Follow the foolishness of self and live irresponsibly. At stake in this matter is how we manage both God's time and our lives. There are choices to make and priorities to arrange. That exercise is a daily battle. There is a constant struggle to do the right things. It is also a struggle that cannot be waged alone. We need God to help us. We need God to direct us. It is God's spirit that enables us to make appropriate value judgments in life. One of the most important lessons I learned in life, I learned early. That lesson came in the form of a reminder that sounded an awful lot like a warning. Some things in life matter. Most things don't. That is what godly uh, living a godly life advocates. 
It lives under the power of the Spirit to make good choices and as a result to live correctly. And in so doing, we watch every step we take. As some of you might know, my whole working life was spent in banking. And to just summarize what I've been stressing in this meditation, allow me to use my banker's philosophy and to ask you to imagine that you are the main beneficiary of a distant relative's will. It seems this relative was quite eccentric as well as quite wealthy. A great deal of money is left for you to spend, but there are certain rules. Every day for the next year, your bank account is going to be credited with 86,400 Rand. If you spend any of this money, you must produce bills showing why money was withdrawn from your account. One thing that is forbidden is that you cannot save any of the money in another account. And at the end of each banking day, whatever you do not spend will be removed from your account forever. And the next day you will start with a fresh 86,400 Rand. And that's a great request, isn't it? It might be strange, but it is nevertheless like winning the lottery. I'm sure that you and I would find some creative things to do with the seemingly endless supply, daily money. But let us return to the reality of life. God is that unconditional giver. Every day, God gives us 86,400 seconds to make the best use of our living. Every day, God writes off as lost whatever portion of this time we have not used well or wasted. In the bank of time, there are no balances and no overdrafts. Every day a new account is open for us. Each night what remains is written off, lost, and gone forever. What God is looking for and what Paul was urging is that every day, 86,400 seconds must be invested wisely in what will hold their value from day to day, quarter to quarter, year to year, and beyond. Lasting values need to be found. Values such as justice, compassion, forgiveness, and love. Jesus told us a parable about five wise virgins and five foolish ones. The five foolish virgins squandered their time. The five wise virgins made the best use of every moment. The wise virgins entered into the banquet of the master's love. The foolish virgins were too busy wasting time to be ready for the master's return. How much time do you and I have left? We really don't know. Who could have predicted a couple of years ago that this dreaded COVID would in 2020 become the scourge of the earth, which has remained with us ever since then. Who would have predicted in 2019 that the world would see that by last Thursday, over 2.8 million people would have died worldwide as a result of this pandemic? Who would have predicted that the lives of 53,000 South Africans would be lost due to COVID-19.
and these numbers will continue to rise until a worldwide vaccination program will lead to a herd immunity. How much time do you and I have left? In our human denial of death, we all like to think that sudden death happens to other people. There is no reason why it should happen to any of us, as we are thinking. But this pandemic has shown otherwise in a most dramatic and tragic fashion. The proper Christian attitude is not to deny death, to prepare for it. This is the wisdom behind the five, behind the five bridesmaids who were prepared to enter the wedding reception. They did not know when the bridegroom was coming, but they were ready. They had not wasted their time. And so, my brothers and sisters, the challenge is clear. We are called to imitate Christ in every way, and for our purposes, we need to ensure that the time God gives us is spent in keeping with some of the most important words in Scripture, which is to be found in two verses from Paul's letter to the Romans. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then the second verse, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. So instead of letting the Easter events be regarded as sufficient, Rather, let us be guided by the great 50 days we are currently in to be a new foundation of how, from this time forward, we form and we nourish our Christian attitude of life and use our time correctly. Amen. Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobulb.org.